Hey, people, what's good? Jason DeBeas. This is episode 90. This is the Option Podcast. That dude over there, if you don't know, you will. That man, that man his name is James Barker. And the episode starts right now. Episode 90. I'm Jason DeBilius. That's James Barker, volleyball coach extraordinaire, um, ex-military guy is like a freaking renaissance man. What's up, James? How's it going, brother? Yeah, we um before we got on the podcast, we were talking about um Riley Riley Salmon. That's actually the jersey you're wearing, right? The USA That's jersey. It, baby, number ten. Yes, number <laughs> ten. We had a really cool conversation um, because. He's not some, and, and a lot of coaches have this conversation. I'm going to give you the floor because you're, you're the one wearing a jersey. Um, we had a conversation, and I had a conversation with other coaches about how people say you're not big enough to play this position or you're not, you'll never play this position, you'll never do that, and this and that. And here he is, 6'1", not just on the U.S. national team, not just being a starter in the U.S. national team, but actually being one of the people responsible for getting him to the gold medal game. Right. right? Yeah. We, yeah, you know, he. Um, I met him through some friends. I played against him. You know, he's a Texas guy out of Houston. But they, you know, they, he played with a guy named Kubachek and Thomas Pratt, you know, um, out of Houston. And they'd always play open, uh, you know, at nationals. And, uh, you know, I played on a team called Nemesis for years. And, you know, we were one of the better teams and for a long time. And we'd go to like A&M would host uh, open tournaments. And so, you know, we'd, we'd go play open, you know, and talk about size you know i'm i'm so i try to tell my girls too it's like i'm six two and i've always been thrown in the middle <laughs> so then i go to nationals and you know like especially since the age groups and i'm looking across the net dude played middle for the south africa team he's seven foot and that's who i'm going against and so you know where that's at riley you know kind of this that same thing he was small kind of like Karch was small if i believe, remember right you know yeah. people said he was really too small and look what he did you know he, he was he ended up okay <laughs> so you know, it's just, and I met him and played, and then I got a hold of him through a buddy of mine and had him come to a clinic for our kids. And then we got to talk and hanging out, and we ended up playing in a tournament together. And, he's, you know, like I said, he'd be somebody you'd be worth getting on your podcast. He's got a great story, some of the struggles. And then, you know, he's he's come out the other end now with the uh, doing a great job. First year at Jamestown University, the men's program. Last year was their first season. Of course, COVID cut that short. You know, but yeah. just I, that size, you know, I just, my girls, I've never had as a coach, I've never had that, that big team. You know, you see these guys walk in with their 13 open and they're all taller than me. And I'm like, where do they get these kids? And, yeah. you What's know, I'm, I'm walking water? in, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm walking in and, you know, all my kids, my biggest kids, five, nine, but you know, I, I, the way I coach and the way I teach is I'm very, very like play aggressive, you know, uh, I'm I'm six two, but I was the shortest kid in my class. So I always tell people I'm six two, six three with short man syndrome. You know, <laughs> but, you know, I I, have, I I when I play, I have to play mean and just nasty, and that's that was the only way I could hang with guys that were taller, more athletic, you know, yeah. more experienced. But I could hold my own. You know, not anymore. <laughs> I'm all broken down. I think the thing I like about Riley Salmon and Karch Karayan, and I'm not comparing them to. Uh, um, on every level, but on this level, when they're in a game on the biggest stage, 
competing for the biggest prize in, in, in all of indoor volleyball. And we both agree on that. I mean, people leave their professional leagues. They leave mon big money contracts for like a short patch right. to, to play. If, if they get to play in the Olympics, they're going to represent their country. It's very, very, it's unlike, unlike any other major sport right like basketball you right. know i mean lebron might say no nah, i'm good you know i want to be on the boat you know but right. <laughs> you know kevin durant or whatever right i'm on the boat um yeah. the thing i liked about them is when they're actually on the court you'd never hear anyone say they're only six two or they're only right. six one i mean you might hear a commentator say that just once or twice but I think it's because they play big and, and, play and big. this exactly. is all going to be said way to my next question. I'm going to ask you, like I had Ryan Millar on the podcast and mm -hmm. Ryan and I, cause Ryan was part of that gold medal team in 2008. He was the middle him and um, David, right. Lee, David Lee. And I walked him through the quarter semis and finals. And I gave him the player that I thought say, um, save their asses. Cause two quarters and semis is five sets. All right. Mm -hmm. I thought Riley Salmon bailed him out of, um, Serbia Montenegro. I thought Serbia Montenegro was a superior team, even though USA was five and zero in pool. I thought they were going to get climbed big by Serbia Montenegro, but he came up big, set five, and then USA against Russia. Um, um, David Lee came up with that uh, really big one, and then a block off their their oppo, and then there was right. a chuck. <laughs> I mean, Malara laughing about. It. There was an absolute chuck by the Russians that the referee swallowed their whistle. Right. But David Lee, the next play, instead of you know fixed it and then got the block. And then the finals was Clay Stanley. I thought Clay Stanley was like, "Hey, I'm an oppo. I'm here to turn lemons into lemonade. If I get blocked, I get yeah. blocked. If I don't, I don't. That is the life of a gangster." Um, yeah. So I guess the question I have for you, because you were talking about your days as an active player and you're and you're listing yourself as 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 six two. I'm six one. Um, without hunching. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question is when you're actually on the court for the most part did you feel the same size as everybody else or were, uh, I mean with the exception of the 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 unicorn like that that dude who's seven feet tall where there's just you're just like okay I mean I didn't I notice the, I didn't notice that against the six six guy <laughs> you know yeah. so I got you know I guess because I did this, it once I get on there I never thought about it you know it, it's it's just, I try to tell like a coach, when you step in that square, it's on. You know, I, I grew up and, you know, I got quite a few fights and I've been in a, quite a few of my life. But mm -hmm. it was like my dad said, you know what, send them fight to win. And I looked at him, well, what do you mean? He mm -hmm. said, you just fight to make sure they never want to do it a second time. Yes. And, so I, yeah, and that <laughs> just brings out the nasty. And so I play and I tell my girls, you know what, don't take this the wrong way. But, you know, if I said, you know, we did it this year. We played an open team. And that team was real snotty and rude. And so we walk out there and I told my girls, I said, well, you know what my dad is? And I tell them that story. And I said, then I like, don't get in fights. <laughs> but I said, yeah. so go out there and play. I said, don't, don't just worry about winning and losing. So you play so hard and so fierce and so hard that those girls would next time they go to a tournament, they're going to look and, and hope that they're, we're not in their pool. Yeah, And, that and those girls got out there and we beat them in two. Yeah. And like I said, we were small, but, you know, I just, I get out in that court and I get going and I get mad and I get, you know, um, funny story playing while I was stationed in Germany. There's a big tournament used to be, I don't know if it still is back in the day. And it was all the military, like all over Europe. So like 400 teams. Yeah. You, come, you had to qualify. It was you, sir. Yeah. It was the first, there was yeah, the so Ar Army European championship, right? Right. And then there so, was uh, you, sir. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we made it to you, sir. And, and I'm in a co-ed team. 
Yeah, I, I put together a co-ed team, and we made it. Mm-hmm. Dude, we made the Final Four with a co-ed team. And, nice. But the team to get through, the Air Force team had this 6'9 Asian guy. And he had just been dominating, dominating. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a little five-foot female setter, and she was a sergeant. And I told her, so stand at the net. And I walk up, and that guy's standing there. And, you know, he was really cocky Air Force. And I told her, I told her, I looked at her, and I looked at him. I said, set me a one. And I looked at it, I said, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay. And I said, all right. And I came, and I hit his heart. All I could have snapped his finger. Hmm. That dude went and sat down, taped his finger. When he'd come back on the court, he wouldn't block against me. He'd turn his head and put his hands up like that. I had him, you know, yeah. but I tell a kid that you just got to, it's a fierceness. That was the only way I could hang with these guys. You know, I didn't have a great vertical mm-hmm. one, probably 38, 36, mostly. And again, 6'2". Learned, never really played, wasn't coached, you know. It's just Army, you know. Like you're saying, how to learn. I had a guy come up and say, hey, man. You play basketball. Yeah, that was my sport. And yeah. He goes, well, we need somebody for volleyball. I'm like, dude, that's for girls. <laughs> you, know, yeah. that's, you know, that old statement. I said, go out. So I go and I start playing. Well, I got my first couple real hits and I was hooked. And I started playing and anytime I could. And in Germany, the Samoan guys took me in. And yeah. I mean, I, well, that's I all you need from boys. there. Yeah. <laughs> so, once, hey, was, once you're with that crew, they're yeah. good. Oh, Road trips in a van and being the only white boy. <laughs> it was, Dude, it, was come a, on. The, it was amazing. Dude, we could get I, fat I, off of them barbecues, man. We could no. get fat off of those barbecues, dude. Once you're with the Samoan crowd, um, and, um, for the people listening at home, um, I also play volleyball in Germany. I played uh, before I played professional. I had a mil- I played for a military community team in Darmstadt, and the the best players out there are the guys. There's a there's a handful of people from Guam who could jump out of the sky, of course. But then yeah. there's the this population of America Samoa or just some um Samoa, right? That you're yeah. not gonna find a guy over six two. You're not gonna find no. a guy that you're not gonna find a guy that weighs under two hundred forty pounds, and you're not gonna find a guy that jumps under forty inches. It it, it looked like Super Mario in real life. You ever play like Super yeah. Mario Brothers? Like this little dude, just a yeah. uh, little wide dude, just jumping in the air and like lifting heavy shit, yep. heavy shit, walking, <laughs> walking around. Um, <laughs> yeah. Watch just watching warm ups. The first yeah. time um, I played for Frankfurt American before I went to Darmstadt, right? And we right. played Hanau and. Just they That's were playing where I was James stationed. Brown. I was at Flieger Horse by Hanau. Yeah, it's good. A uh, very, yeah. very yeah. I don't, I don't know if like they make the military send their Samoans there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that how the how the hell's a whole community team, just a yep. community team that's supposed to be. I mean, it's hard enough finding people that play a sport, any sport in the elite level, but a sport not as right. popular as volleyball. And you got all of these dudes and they're all, and how are they all Simone with a couple of white dudes, right? So yep. I'm watching them warm up and they got James Brown playing in the background. I feel good, right? <laughs> so you could, that draws a picture in your head. Yeah. And everyone's just, there's no good, better, best. There's no gradual buildup to their hardships. They're, they're coming right out the box. Bubble, bubble, right. bubble, hitting straight down. I'm like, damn, don't y'all motherfuckers warm up anymore? So, you know, and and I remember playing them because they got in my head, you know, like they get a block yeah. and they're looking at me like, stay down, white boy. And I'm like, stay down. And I'm from, oh, the milli, 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 little patty. Yeah, little roof. Roof. roof, yes, yes, of course. So, loved it. Which, loved I, which it. by the way, I brought back to America when when I came yeah. back. Uh, no one knew what it was. I tried to show it to my girls, and they just looked nah. at me like, huh? Nah. <laughs> no, it's something that yeah. you got to keep doing, and sooner or later they catch on, and sooner or later the crowd starts doing it too, and then it's a right. snowball going down the hill. You know, I, I was at Hunter for it's a couple. Sad. 
Yeah, I was at Hunter for a cup of coffee or whatever, but when he's like, stay down, white boy, like, like where I grew up, like you talk about, you brought your upbringing uh, um, to the game that that gives you a competitive nature. So I take your Texas upbringing and I um, match you with growing up on Flatbush, yeah. Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York, right. right? Like even the people who are not about that life, and this is the point I was trying to make, even the people who are not about that life um, know that there's a rule, this unwritten rule that you have to defend yourself or every time they see you, they, they think it's okay to F with you. Yeah, and I think done. that was the point you trying, you were trying to make right. with volleyball. Like if, if, if you lay down and died against this team because you think they're good, they're going to look at you in every tournament and say, okay, we got pool played. That team I'm not worried about. That's, Easy. that's, that's, a that's bait. You know, that's bait yeah. for, for the big fish. So, yeah, so, but but the Samoan thing, I was like, please, man. He said, I said, stay down, white boy. I said, why don't you go, I said, why don't you go eat a pizza, you fat mother? You know, and then the referee calls the captains over, right? And then um, I go to the ref and I'm like, you should have shut down that white boy shit when you had the chance. And then I'm the one getting the red card because, and then when I get the red yeah. card, of course, the whole team and the whole crowd is like, ah, oh, Lua Petit, wah, <laughs> wah. And I was yeah. like, I said, okay, okay. <laughs> they got me yeah they got me i learned you. you know and then um yep. when i moved to darmstadt my unit moved to darmstadt and i played for their team before i played pro and um and my team had two two gomanians two samoans you know it was guam heavy i mean i had it you never yeah. and the guy's name was ignacio perez and i'm sure people remember him because there's no guam guamanian at six seven there's just you know he's <laughs> he is he looks like an adult walking among children in that country so right. um but but I guess yeah, just, I, this is but this they, is the, this is the question I was going to ask you about your club team um, uh, that you've already answered. How connected was your upbringing to coaching uh, 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 girls as far as that competitive nature? Was it more about win or lose? They have to look you in the eye and respect you, you know, and, and know that went like like you just said, was it that or was it just showing girls that you can beat? anybody on any like there's nobody who's I unbeatable i think it's a combination you know you gotta like i said it's like you said growing up small we didn't have a lot of money a small town i had to fight for everything my older brother they called him dolph lundgren <laughs> he looked like dude from rocky four as a freshman he was already six three <laughs> just you know and i'm over here five foot and you know we have wars but you know that so everything was a fight and a battle growing up my friends thought it was funny you know, I hung out with a, you know, I had a lot of black friends and, you know, I, two of them, I give them a hard time now because they used to try to break my, and they did, they broke my ribs in football. One of them knocked me out cold with a hit. They just, they helped me up after they thought that was fun. And so that's what I grew up against. And so I had to learn how to, you can see, like you said, like you said, Flatbush, it's, you either got to stand up or you're going to get walked on forever. And so. Yeah. Especially if you're, you, no, but especially if you're part of a demographic where you're different. Like you just mentioned, you're a few shades lighter in a sport that, uh, in a sport or for a team that's predominantly black, right? Of course they're yeah. gonna see you and they're gonna be like, "Yep, we this is the guy we gotta oh, mess with." You know, Flatbush Avenue. I like mean, I'm, like I'm mixed. I'm mixed, but let me tell you something about Flatbush. Black people ain't got time to dice up their white people. They didn't care. No. They didn't care if my mother was black and my father's <laughs> <No>. white. <laughs> you know, most it's people generally dude. don't. Yeah, you know, but I, that's funny. I go to in Germany. I went with like, this guy, um, Sergeant Morning. I, I, my memory's really bad, but I do remember him. We play college basketball. He, mm -hmm. you know, he's a brother. 
So he goes, come on, let's go play basketball. We go to Hanout and we're going to play. Well, no one, they wouldn't let me on the court. It was, you know, it was the only white guy. Ah, they kept picking. So I just said, all right, I got next. You can't stop that. Yeah. And I, I played that first game. And then ever since after that, once they saw how I played, I wasn't mm-hmm. great, but, you know, I could, I, I'd get after it basketball too. And once they saw it, then you're accepted and you're in. But you got to, you know, I'm used to always having to prove myself. Yes. And that's yeah. what my girls said. Every time you step on that court, you're proving yourself, not just to not just to the people in the stands, to the team you're playing, but to yourself. Yeah. You, know, you got to every time prove to yourself that you belong and you get out there. And it's, if you go out and you give it all you have and you lose, then they're better. You know, well, it happens. Yeah. There's better teams than us out there. Get used to it. But if you go out there and you don't try or you give up or you pout or, you, you know, whatever head case, you, you're going to live with that. It's going to bother you for days and weeks, you know. And it, it's like, you know, I, I was a high school coach for out of college. I, I took a, a head job at a private school. My first head coach, which I actually was my my senior year in college. I was doing it at the same time. My first day with them as Antonio College Prep in San Antonio was their first game, their previous coach quit that late in the game hmm. and so they told me teams are set you can't move anybody the, you know they they won state the year before and they graduate eight seniors and so they were like just the two three seniors are there they just want to have fun their senior year nobody picked to be last care what we pick so i pushed those girls and fought with those girls especially my two stars and a little five foot six outside who could give up and she could bang. She would fight me and fight me. Well, I had a 6'2 girl, and then there was another senior that was a setter, was friends with outside. But that setter could block. She just could block. And, you know, but I play her. So we get in the playoff. First, we won a district, which blew their mind. And then we go in the playoffs. And in the second round, facing a team, I think it was Nolan out of Dallas. I can't remember Fort Worth, Nolan, or something yeah. like that. We had two girls going D1. Right. They and you tell everybody what club you are again, because we're on we're Texas four three two. Texas four three two. Go ahead. Sorry. That's ahead. my club, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so but this is it with Antonian college prep and we go and this team just wears us out for the first match game, like you know, fifteen to seven. This girl, she's got like twelve kills. So I game two, I made a switch, I put that six two girl in for this setter, and that blonde, my outside got mad at me. But we won. And I mm. took the stat, stat sheet, and they're throwing a fit, and I showed them. First game, 12 kills, number, whatever number. Second game, zero. Right. Zero. That girl shut her down. And I said, it was nothing personal. Yeah. We're here to win. And they, they, the looks on their faces, like you're registered. We went one game three. We made it all the way to state. And we lost in, by two points in the game three in state. Those girls came and cried, apologized to me, said, you know, we just never believed you. We never believed what you were telling us because we, you're like, we lost so many kids. There's no way we can do it. But we did it. So, yeah. you know, I try to tell my teams that. It's, it's a belief. We, yeah, skill, talent-wise, were we as good? No. Yeah. But that belief yeah. and that heart, you're going to get through some things. Well, to me, there's two kinds of um, club players, right? There are players who um, maybe see – uh, um, the resume that comes with the coach, or maybe it's like a big name coach, and yeah. there there's an automatic trust system where they believe it before it even happens. And then there's some like 
like James, you, I always consider you a scrapper. You're a real coach, okay? And you're 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 more you're a more real coach than a lot of people with names bigger than you. So, and I'm and I'm on the air and I'm live and I don't and you know I don't give a damn. So, yeah. um, so I think the point I was trying to make was if they do it your way and find out later, I think it stays with their memory longer because you learn more from making a mistake. Or, or, or misunderstanding something and, and kind of being like, oh, oh, I got it. I think that's retained, uh, as far as retained knowledge is concerned, I think you keep that lo- you, you keep that uh, a lot better. I think it sticks with a lot more adhesive right. than, yeah. than just um, saying um, move across the room. Trust me. I mean, um, I mean, listen, that was the way I was brought up. I don't I, I never asked the yeah. coach why. I mean, we, we're not generation Y. We're generation X. Oh, no. OK, you know, why, why is not in your vocabulary, dude? Push ups. No. So so um, and, and especially ex-military, too. Right. We, we can't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, first <laughs> of all, why? your upbringing, then your military service. Your military. Why? why? <laughs> so. Yeah, I think the point I was trying to make, I think there's something really refreshing about somebody just learning that on the go. And as a club coach, it's very, very important that we let make them understand that the things that they get to prove to you have to happen in practice. Which they have to happen. Like someone wants to serve, right? I want to jump serve more. But if they're in practice yeah. and they're missed and they've missed every single jump serve they try, you think I'm gonna put you in the game just just to see if you could do it? That's not. I mean. Uh, I don't know. Well, if, I mean, if, if if my team is boss and we up 24-12, sure. Skyball yeah. hit the ceiling. But, <laughs> but just what you, the way you just said, and you, you and Tom, Tom Sorson was talking about it too, is mm-hmm. that, that I'm a big switch on, I see too many coaches at all levels, and this is a person, maybe I'm way off on this. And I think I told you this before. Well, they can, they, they can come see you. such a fear to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. They got kids so afraid to make a mistake that they won't swing for the fences. They don't, they don't try things. They hold back. And, you know, and that begins in practice. I tell my kids all the time, practice is where you're supposed to mess up. Practice is where when you swing a hundred times as hard as you can and you see it, you, and then you start making adjustments, mm-hmm. you don't wait to the game to do it. And then you don't, you know, cause you see too many times a, a girl or a guy in a game and they're hitting control shots and they're doing okay when the game gets tight then they decide to let it loose and then they miss and they swing out i was like no the time was at, at practice and the time to let it learn what you could do maybe at the beginning of the match where it's two to two and if you hit one out against the wall then it's okay you know it doesn't kill you but yeah there's such a fear that these a lot of coaches at that junior high and high school and club level they coach these kids to not make mistakes and i'm like and that's i don't I don't care if you get blocked. If you go up and you rip one and she blocks you, great hit, hit harder. You know, um, now if you're, I'm telling you to be in this position on defense and you're over here, that's when the mistakes I don't bite. you know, but as far as you went up and you, you know, I had a girl every time she put up a block in the middle this year and she didn't touch it, she'd get upset. <laughs> so I had to start and then she'd get a couple kills. Or, you know, or whatever. So I had to read the college stats. Too. I'm like, look, the number one girl in the country is averaging two blocks a match. And she right. registered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, when you put up your hands like this and you put up a block and the ball goes by you, you did your job. Defense. You fed the ball to the defense. Now it's on them to dig it. That's bit, you know, but again, they just think that every I should block everything. I should hit everything in. I should never make a mistake. I shouldn't try anything. You know, I had a, 
you know, it goes with these, you know, there's a club here that will not let any of their kids, the only serve they're allowed to do is a jump float. And I get statistics and everything. The jump float is hard, a harder serve to pass. But in my, Depends. what uh, I've yeah. seen is sometimes you've got to go away. I had a girl this year, she's learning her top spin jumper is a hammer. Yep. Is that easier to pass in theory? Yeah, because you just stand there and let the ball do the work. But in a bunch of 16, 17-year-old girls' heads, when they see that girl top spin it and here it comes, they get on their heels and like, oh, my God, and they freak out. And so I, I tell my girl, let it go. Let it go. If you mess, I'll live with it. Just, you don't worry about in, out, mess. You just bring the heat. Sometimes she'll be one for four. Another time she served 12 in a row. You know, it's just, but I, I set my system up that I can live with that. But I, but it's back to the original thing, getting over the fear of messing up. It's okay. In my belief, it's okay to make a mistake. And that's our responsibility. Move on. And that's our responsibility as coaches. All right. Hey, we're both MMA fans, right? I'll give you a Chael oh, Sonnen yeah. quote, right? Chael Sonnen once said, um, he was in the Ultimate Fighter, and he's having a conversation with Uriah Hall about nervousness and tension or whatever. And um, he's narrating. You know how the Ultimate Fighter is. You yeah. kind of narrate, and then you hear him on the mic or whatever. And and I take this with me, and I and I talk to uh, my best players because I've I've had club teams where you know we were we got as high as fifth in the country, and I've had right. a club teams where. Um, just this last weekend, I'm, I'm on a club team that lost every, yeah. sing, lost yeah, every single match. All right. And my hotel yep. smell, you know, Excalibur smell like a dirty ashtray. So I'm just like, right. get, get me the F out of Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays, stays in, Vegas, in Vegas. All right. Yeah. Except herpes. You keep that shit wherever you go. But, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, Chael Sonnen said, um, everybody tells you that losing is not an option. I think that it's absolutely ridiculous. Losing isn't. Yeah, option. I remember hearing losing, that recently. He said losing is an option, and this is for the people listening at home. Losing is the most readily available option waiting for you all the time. So if he says if you're one of those players that has this hang up, like every point is like your last, and it's and and there's a whole bunch of tension. Um, he says I just want you to know two things on on a on a on a on a regular level. One, the other team's feeling the same pressure, and two, it's natural. Stop treating you. We, you need to, you tell. I tell my players the same thing. You need to just not treat this like this. This some. This is some abnormal feeling. And 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 right. what we the only thing we can do as coaches, like if they mess up, hey, you could say next play. Hey, next play. Let's 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 move on, or you can have negative talk. You know, creep up in the head. And then when I say when I say negative talk, I, I don't mean tough love. I don't mean coming down on someone for someone missing a play. Like I mean just just only saying what they did wrong and walking away. That, 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 I mean that doesn't do anything, right? Like, uh, right. you know, for example, if someone misses a serve right after they just got two in a row in. You 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 don't well, you don't say serve you know uh, uh, wow you know way to miss the serve after we got two in no I mean just say hey we got momentum you know that's a, that's our controllable let's not let's not you know you could go right. tough love there's I mean for people who cuddle their kids and for people who come down like an asshole there's this James we both agree there's this huge gray area. Right. Where, where where you can you you can you can you can give tough love to a kid because I think it builds character. I think if the kid but can, then it also goes the to criticism. the kid itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, some kids you could be tougher on, some you can't. And that's and our challenge. You got to learn that as a coach too. Yeah, you know, and that's our challenge I, as coaches. I, yeah. It's about even at that level, even at the juniors juniors levels, you're managing personalities. Yeah. You know, oh, ten yeah. times more because there's psychological growth is is still. Right. 
right? Still in play, right? I think the majority of the time I've had to call timeout and I let loose on my kids mm-hmm. is more about their energy, mm-hmm. their emotion, and the, like what I see. Uh, and I hate, I hate when I hear commentators, people, oh, this team wants it more. You know, come on, everybody yeah, wants it. How, how are you judging somebody's want? Nonsense. But you know, nonsense. but their body language is why why commentators and people pick up on that. So I'll call them in and I'll get you know, a. What is your problem you know get your head out of your rear end let's go you give me energy every point quit pouting you know and i'll get and a lot of times it's amazing that they'll go out there and like last year my my 18s team dude we're losing i think it was 15 to Mm 4 and i was so i caught timeout I threw my hat down, and hey, I made it through the whole season this year anyway, so people owe me money. <laughs> I went out throwing my hat once. So, um, you made it through the whole season. So, threw, <laughs> yeah, God, the whole sorry. Season. So I, but last year, I threw my hat, and I caught, and I mean, I ripped. The whole gym could hear me. And those mm-hmm. girls went back out and scored, and that team scored two more points the rest of the match. We yeah. made that kind of run and put it on them, and then game two just embarrassed them. And I told him after I called him again, I said, so you tell me I didn't cover strategy. We didn't make adjustments. I just ripped you for your emotion, your energy and how you were approaching the game. And then you went out there. I I said, that should tell you a lot. I said, I'm 50 years old. I'm fat, going to have a heart attack if I keep having to be your energy stick and your emotion carrier. That's not fair. It's not fair yeah. to any coach. You got to bring that. When in the day you learn to bring that, man, I can sit back and you guys rock and roll. Yeah, you man. Know, I, then I could just make hey adjustments like, here. Wait, this game that. I get to play glorified babysitter. Cool. cool. Yeah. So this, yeah, I mean, so this is yeah, how it feels. So this like is how it feels. <laughs> right. Yeah, so this is how it feels. Nineteen ninety six, and I haven't got to do that one time. <laughs> Well, oh, I see a bunch of those. That's the reputation you built as a coach, right? Sometimes we're, we're, we're grinders. Sometimes they're glorified babysitters. And sometimes they're real coaches out there that have good players doing real work. Yeah. And then there's some, some, yeah. some whatever. Like, I mean, look, for this club I'm coaching right now, again, bad weekend in Vegas. It's not about – it hasn't come become about winning a, a, a lot with this team. It's I made a decision like I'd rather have them just learn the game – the intricacies and do it right so this way they're marketable under any system you know they know yeah. how to play they they're, they're they're learning a technique and they're exercising that re- technique through repetition where where if they if they happen to be the worst player on a good team they're they're, st- they're not gonna they're gonna look like the best player on on, on that right. team they're just gonna you know you know what i'm saying there's some players yeah. like like there's some players on a good team they're just rolling with the pack you don't know if they're good or bad they just they're just mm-hmm. they play to the level so so um, this is this is a big big decision I had to make because because in tournaments tournaments are about wins and losses when it comes to coaches and and yeah. for club coaches it's like no kid coming up wants to play for your club if you're the coach that like lost every game uh, um, right. and and I feel bad for any coach that has to go through that I don't feel bad for me because I'm it's a, with me it's already too late I already built my brand. I already built my brand and everyone already. I don't have this insecurity where think people won't think I'm a good coach. Everyone everyone knows I'm a good coach and next year I'm going to have a good team. And if I don't, right. um, just like every other team, me and you have built our life, we make, we, we make good teams. We, when, when was the last time you were given a team where like every single player on the roster from top to bottom was, was, was a boss anyway? So, I mean, it's nothing yeah. new. So, I mean, I don't – I had to ha- have – when I came back from Vegas, long drive, man, bad traffic of course yeah um i wrote this letter to the parents and bear with me on this one because i said when i first took the i'm 
took the position for 15, 16's, uh, um, 16's evolution five years ago because mm -hmm. my specialty is 16's, but this year I'm coaching 17's because Kevin Norman from Redondo moved up with his, his guys. So um, I said, when I took the position for evolution, the, the owner and founder gave me six categories as a priority as a club coach. Of the categories, which is like player development, for example, team camaraderie, et cetera, he asked me, where do you rank winning and losing in these categories? And I told him dead last. And he said, you're hired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he, he said this because he knew in our combined half a century of coaching experience, winning does not happen without the process and learning the, the intricacies of the game put into execution. I said, there are many styles and techniques that are taught to make one a better player. But at the end of the day, there is a right way to do this. And player development sets you up for the long game, allowing you to play any system. And I told the parents and I told the kids, the kids who read this, uh, my next line is, I promise you, we, we're doing that. You know, that's so, yeah. that's, I said, that's why the whole time through the bevy of emotions you see from me on the sideline, you will more often than not see a Tim Robbins, Shawshank Redemption worthy, curious grin. Okay, whether it's my, my, my player who was struggling going eight for 11 on offense with one error, um, or, or Zach, my five foot eight, 17s men hitting a quick set well it was like six points in a row and the other team doesn't think we're, we're serious and then boom he'll throw one in front and everybody's like okay we didn't know they had someone in that team that can do that so so those but i told my kids those are the things those plays that that are few and far in between that everyone does notice where at the end of the game they could look you in the eye and they shake your, shake they shake your hand and you just and, and what we were just talking about again pick your head up it's not i mean losing is an unnatural thing to someone like me who's win, who's used to winning a lot but right. but it's also a, it's you know it's it's also a real thing. Sorry. You know, and you got to go through those, especially the boys like growing page, our mutual friend, Arik Anderson, you know, down in Houston. He had, when I remember, he had a bunch of brand new boys. Oh, he's doing this season. Yep. They were bad. But by the end of the season, they were a whole different group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is a process. And you're trying to get parents to understand that, man. Yeah. It's just like I had, you know, all of our teams did well this year. We had a team, and, you know, we set up, and they actually did way better than – I ever expected them to do. They were kind of a thrown together bunch, you know, and a girl said, I'll play middle. That's how one of our middles were. And she actually did a really good job, but you know, they go to Orlando and they first day to go two and one. Mm -hmm. Okay, man, you're in it. The next day they go two and one, which put them in silver. Well, some of the parents, the two parents lost their minds because we lost that one game. Yeah. Like, do you remember the club you were on last year that you were playing a bunch of those little one day here? Let me, you know, everybody gets a medal tournaments or, or, and you were even losing some of those, no, but now on. you're playing against some of the best in the country and you're holding your own. And we're just, as we start winning, people start forgetting and that's what it becomes all about. And yeah. like, take a step back, man. Yeah. We want to win. That's our goal. But no college coach has ever walked up to our court ever as me in all the years I've been coaching and watch our whole match. Right. And I've never had a coach coach say, Hey, did you win? They can care less. You know, they're, they know what they're looking for. All right. I'm gonna watch her four or five points. I like her. Don't like her. I'm interested. Move and that's on. very important. That's, that's, but dude, don't you think that's very important for yeah. um, um, club coaches, club coaches for good teams and kids that want to be a part of that, that rock star or that all-star team uh, rock star i'm paraphrasing but that right. that, that um that all-star team I, I try to tell some of these coaches to tell their players like 
once you hit the college scene, once you hit adulthood, nobody cares what club you play for. Can, mm -hmm. Nobody cares what club you play for because, like you said, if the club coach uh, uh, who was charged with your individual uh, development as a player as well as learning how to, pl to play well with others, if he did their job, it doesn't matter because – the people who are the most successful on the college and pro scene don't even recognize those club teams. Like, I'll give you an example. Who's um, who's the best player in the country this year for beach volleyball? It's Tina Gradina, right? She's from Latvia. Do you think she knows what <laughs> what, what MB Surf is or four three two? Yeah. She doesn't. She, she doesn't know and she doesn't care. And no. you know, it's not like she's not nice. Have you ever seen her on the right. podcast? She's the nicest girl you ever met. In fact, right. she's so pretty. Like some of, one of my friends came up to me and was like, I, "I saw your podcast. I didn't hear a fucking word she said." <laughs> hey, like, you know, yeah. speaking of that, I was so glad because we you know we had, you talked to me about doing this and. You had that podcast with our boy Cole. Yeah, fears. <laughs> and yep. I'm like, this pretty dude sitting in his truck, and I gotta follow that. And I'm like, no, man, come, come on. on. <laughs> no, I had to up the ante. I was like, let yeah, me. I, got, I, I had like, to yeah, throw I'm an Olympian. I make sure I got an Olympian before you to really to yeah, really I up got the an ante. Olympian, Fifty years old, right, right in my lane. Not some young blonde dude. Who's sitting in a truck and still looking good? I'm like, man, let me, let me that's tell not you, fair. Let me tell you something. This episode is a selfish decision on my, a very selfish decision on my part. I, and Cole, and Tom, and every all these other big names I just mentioned: Olympic gold medalists, NCAA champs, Hall of Famers. Yeah. He's got in the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, Pepperdine. Um, will all not take offense when I will tell them the guest I wanted the most on this show the last month was you because we yeah, appreciate that. because star power notwithstanding can you right. get on here can you get on this show and can you say something engaging that people can agree with people can disagree with people can laugh at people can cry right. at I mean uh, um I think my gift is I do get people to say things that they didn't uh, they came in the podcast saying, I'm not going to say that. Jason's not going to get that shit out of me, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I knew that if I could do that with players who, I mean, never even met me in person, like Sorensen, we never met in person. Uh, and, right. and that's a shame because we have so many mutual friends. Um, that I knew that uh, it's lazy and selfish on my part because I knew you and me don't require nudging when it comes to no. talking. When it comes I'll, to talking I'll about the more things than, we want to talk about, you and I both about. the same. We'll probably say yeah. more than we actually need to. Yeah, for everybody <laughs> listening at home, this is what the hell you need to do. You need to get off your keyboard, off your digital ass and talk to a human being with your voice. You yes. need to listen to him and they need to listen to you or him or her and they need to listen to you and you will be surprised on every level, on a political level, on an athletic level, on a social level, on an intimate level, how much you have in common compared to what divides you. James, well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, so one, one second. This is James Barker. This man is a Republican space ranger. I, I am I am a left I am a left leaning independent snob. Okay, we have no we on on a digital platform. We shouldn't even be friends. But then I'll go to Texas. This man comes to California, and it's like give me a hug. And I karaoke swear time. Where to God? Yes, Greg Faulkner, right? No, I mean yeah, yeah right. Oh, so Greg a lefty, and his, uh, a, lefty a centrist, do? and a righty. Uh, yes. I mean. Uh, all, all together because they they're they're together in the same room and there's this unexplained force or feeling that we in our heart of hearts knows that 
uh, brings us together. We're good. Be good guys out there. Be a good fucking person, man. Just be a good person. This dude's well, a know, good, this dude's a good person. Line, <laughs> you know. You know that, exactly. But that's you know it's another point. It goes along. Is talk to people or you know I so much better than I'm better than or I'm above you because I I coached college or I coached this club or mm -hmm. I played at this level. And man, I'll, I'll go. I've been doing. I've been playing since 1989, and I've been coaching since 1996. Mm -hmm. And I will go out and I'll learn something from a girl that's 19 years old coaching. Mm -hmm. If I'm paying it, I may be learning what not to do, but I got my mind open and I'll talk to anybody. You know, that's why, like you know, Riley, been another great guy, and he was small too. Mm -hmm. Adam Johnson. And AJ. Adam's coming in two weeks to do my sand clinic, and man, he does a great job. And Adam, you know, a lot of people when you do. Uh, hey, Adam, and you're like, Adam, Adam, like, have you talked to Adam? Uh, well, no. Well, how are you going to tell me Adam? Because, dude, you talk to the guy, he will tell you what you want to know. And he'll, hey, that's a good idea. Or he may say, you know, you may he's, want to rethink that. Oh, but he's <laughs> but, always, he's always willing to help. He's not, and he never, I've only spoken to him once. He's never speaking from up Down. here. He's never speaking no. from this high place where he's speaking down. Right. James, like, look, we just talked about club volleyball, right? I Five years ago, I had a team that took down Cincy Attack, so we, we took their five spot. We got as high as fifth in the country, right? This this year, um, we lost every single match in Vegas. Two years ago, we win silver. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm all over the place as far as wins and losses or whatever. Right. Do you know how many times... Like when they have coaches' parties. Do you know how many coaches' parties I've attended at the hotels? Zero. Zero. You can count. I can count on one hand so a coach that I've had dinner with. Um, and I can name him by name. Fallon Fano Moana, who's awesome, awesome human being. Amazon, finance Amazon. Chris Flood, who's out here doing some stuff with the AVP, and he's probably going to take Canada to the Olympics. Um, uh, hopefully he's going to yeah. be their coach. Um, who else? Uh, I, I don't like these circle jerks ab about why my team is so good and this and that. And I'm just like, I don't hear anything in the conversation about like, there's this player I want to work. Uh, um, you know, what do you, what do you think about this player? Do you, you know, what do you think about her swing and this and that? They, I, at no time do they make it about just talking about the purity of volleyball. It's just these, right. it's, it's just, about them. It's, it's disgusting uh, to me. And yeah. I'm, and I'm, I sound like I'm casting aspersions on some of these coaches. I'm not doing it. And, and I guess, Yes, I am, you know, but um, no, I, I party with the parents. To be about the I party with the parents, man. The yeah. parent, there's nothing like a, a group of parents who finally are away from their kids. Yeah. the kids are in well, bed I, and they just want to go drinking and singing <laughs> and having a good time. There is nothing like partying with parents. Yeah, I said yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the one thing about our club that I, you know, I started this club two years ago as one team, and then two teams last year and five this year, but. You gotta have good people, good coach. Like JJ Coleman's my assistant director. She coaches with this, and mm -hmm. you know she's more than my right hand man. She sometimes yells at me, <laughs> so you know. But that's what I need, you know. And but we got you know Cali. I got a bunch of good coaches, and we're growing. We're starting to interview some more coaches, but I, it's all about the right people, and mm -hmm. all of us are willing to help each other. None of us walk out there like again. My coaching experience is since 1996, and I'm suck at math. And that's a long time. And probably twice as long as most people, most of my coaches. Mm -hmm. But I listen to them and, hey, what what are you doing over there? Okay, I like that. Let me see what I can do. And then, you know, and I don't walk around like a dictator. You're going to do this. You do that. You let that guy hire a coach because I believe in them. I'm let them do their thing. Am I going to make suggestions? Yeah. But, again, it takes that core. you got to have that core. But 
willing to learn. But again, like so many college coaches, and I sound like a harp on it, but it's like a good old boy system. One, it's so hard to get in a door. And the, yeah. there's so many act yeah, like they're they, gods of volleyball. You can't like, call it a meritocracy. To right? Sport? right. You can't call it a meritocracy when you don't let, let everybody participate. Right. Right. It's not it's not a, it's not a true. Um, I said this to um, Wendy Jones of the Optimist Journal, um, who um, son worked really, really hard to get into Stanford. She's a power mom. She's got a, to- a daughter at TCU. Uh, playing at oh, TCU okay. for Hector, and her son's uh, an outside hitter at Stanford, whose program I'm, I'm happy to report is back. Um, yes, I told her if we're running stairs, let's say me and you, me and James Barker, we're we're, we're having stair running contests. Don't think this man is in and and better sh- and not in better shape than me. He'll burn my house in some stairs. So James. Uh, maybe I run like sixty stairs. Maybe you run like eighty, right? So stair running is the is is the meritocracy. I, um, but getting in the building is not. Getting right. in the building to actually get the right to have the right to come right. to, to run stairs is not so so it's not I agree with you it's not a complete meritocracy there is there is a system that um, volleyball has in several instances imploded uh, um, pl- uh, um, I got I got a little bit of heat from Madison McKibben and some people when when I said that they got consumed by their own arrogance you know um, when you play the big fish in a pond. And the pond doesn't have enough water, and you become too big. You air suffocate. Right. That was the that was the best way I knew how to describe it. So, so everybody's like, "What what data do you? What facts do you have to back this up?" And then you should have you should have facts before you say something like this. And I'm like, first of all, in light of the fact that the foundation of my statement is a matter of opinion, um, yes. it's it's uh, 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 saying facts is irrelevant because. If I provide them with facts, they're going to say the facts are irrelevant. If, if I do a poll, you know what they're going to say? They're going to be like, well, that's a bandwagon fallacy. Just because a premise is popular doesn't mean it's right. If I do, yeah. the AVP lost money at this time. They became bankrupt here. Um, 2016, they had the lowest attendance. Oh, well, correlation is not causation. So so there's no real, it's a trap yeah. question. There's no real facts that's going to back up my, my opinion. Uh, um, so I told him, I, I said, if you want me to name names, I, I'll do it in private because I have a podcast and, you know, people look, James, we have conversations off the record. I'm not going to tell nobody. Uh, um, right. Uh, uh, something really, really crazy about Tom Sorensen. We, we had a conversation when the podcast is over because someone told me to ask him in the podcast. And I'm like, I'm not asking him. That. <laughs> I'm not outing this guy in the podcast. So I'm like, people ain't going to trust me no more if I just start telling everybody what people tell me off the record. No, sorry. Right. So so I, I agree with you. And I, I'm sorry if I went off uh, too, uh, left no. too much, but well, our meritocracy I comes into play, but, but not really. That they keep making proves your point. Mm-hmm. You yeah. wouldn't be arguing so hard if there wasn't some truth to it, right? If you wouldn't be fighting your opinion, like you said, so, but that's the other thing, though. You're not even allowed to have an opinion. They have no, tightened the gas so lighter. much. Gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. But well, in public, people are different in public. Look, in public, his post got all the likes. Okay, he's Madison McKibben, who, by the way, is my favorite McKibben. He is an awesome person. He's the one who gave me my first interview when I was doing the beat for volleyball one on one. He was the the one that stepped up and said, I'll do it. And then from here that from there, everyone else followed. So I kind of owe him that. But in public, he's getting the likes. But in in DM in private. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. So the overwhelming support I got in private are from people that don't want to post because they don't want to be that person. 
Like if, if you're the guy who complains a lot in California and if you're that guy, no one wants anything to do with you. It does, even if you're right, it doesn't matter if you're right. So um, that's, that's something a lot of people have to be careful about. Do you think a lot of it is just also a fear of, you know, what they're supposed to be the best comp competitors. They were to, they were great competitors and, and coaches still about competition. It's almost like they're afraid of that competition. Like Adam, Adam Johnson, look at that dude's resume. And there are schools that don't, oh, no, we, no, 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 Adam. Like, dude, man, if I had a college or my, like, if he lived here, that dude would be coaching. I mean, I saw him at the I, garden. I'm not scared of it. I bring it, bring, bring all your knowledge. But it's like they get, they don't want that. To, oh, man, he's going to show me up or something. First time, I, yeah. First time yeah. I saw Adam Johnson, Madison Square Garden, him and yeah. Stokey played Karch and um, Steffes. And and that's that was the boom period of uh, um, from oh, 1990 yeah, all the way up to 97. There was a boom period for indoor that tr that transcended, that leaked out, that trickled mm -hmm. out to, to the beach, right? Uh, if you look at 1990, the best college players were playing on the world scene. Brian Ivey, you know, Brent Hillier, those guys, Becker, yeah. Nick Becker, uh, um, Sorensen, and then AJ, I saw him in Team Cup Volleyball. Do you know what Team Cup Volleyball is? I've had honestly. No. I'm trying <laughs> I've to YouTube. I'm gonna see if I could YouTube it. Um, Team Cup Volleyball, ladies and gentlemen, is when the, the beach players get together and decide to play indoor. They move the 10 foot line to the 15 foot line. Uh, one person from the back row is allowed to come up and block. And this is 1992 and 93. And I saw a video and, of that. So. And, um, it's rallied at 23, but at 23, does a freeze. So that that's the cool thing about Team Cup Volleyball. And AJ was, um, I think, part of Team Coca-Cola with Doug Partee. Um, and, and all of these guys, Ricky Ludi, Steve Sammons, yeah. um, a mixture of guys, Alan Knipe. You know, played middle for um, uh, Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell was basically all the Long Beach State and and Pepperdine guys covertly. You know, um, Stetson. Uh, uh, where is it? Here it is. I want to show you a picture, a video, of what this looks like. It is ridiculous. Out of rhythm, and remember, I talked about at the very beginning. So this is you Team know, Cup volleyball. Well this is there's AJ right off. there. Yep, that's and the look, video. Look what a ten foot line is, James. <laughs> Look what a 10 foot line is. The 10 foot line is um, half like 12 feet or like almost half court. And uh, let's watch one more play because you're going you're gonna to see this four blockers front row. And it's almost like pretty much every single play has like three blockers. And let's watch one more play. See if, please don't serve out. Yeah. Well, what now? Yeah, let's watch one more. Hurry up. That's um, Acosta. I think there's Uvaldo Acosta. I think he uh, coached uh, George Mason. See the blocks? Three blocks. Yeah, it's cool, man. So, yeah, Acosta actually ran uh, something called a mirror offense. Uh, 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 for one year, he had uh, four lefties, so he had the setter come in from the left because he had hit both wow, of his I both of his middles that. were lefties. So he ran, and I've never seen it done, and I, I've never I've never seen it again. Um, I've had a buddy named was Dan Verner. He was a high school coach, and as an engineer for Boeing, so um, but that dude was a great coach. But he a uh, high school coach, but he used to always talk to him and I. Talk. He's like, my dream is to have. Five lefties, <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna run a reverse offense. Like yeah. he's, it would just throw everybody out of sync. I mean, 
Yeah, but I've only seen it the twice. Problem is, seen... I think I've only had two lefties. <laughs> well, yeah, you get a right-handed setter, right? Because yep. a right-handed setter and a mirror offense can hit on two. He can option um, more easy. Has you know, a better court just, vision. Everything's backwards. Um, that'd, be, that'd be crazy to watch. So that was the first time I saw it. And it was the late 90s. George Mason, a Division One program, um, EIBA yeah. team, ran a mirror offense for one year. And the second time I saw it, there's a, a league in New York called New York Urban Professionals. That was a league of working professionals that played urban league, uh, like in, in you know in gyms, and it turned into a professional league because then started being purse money, and and then like all of these ex college players, you know they then they started having a division one, two, and three. Um, we ran a co-ed team. There's and division one uh, a co-ed is twenty four divisions, but men's and women's is division one, two, and three. So we had a co-ed team called Team Leftovers. Setter's right-handed, girl, a female setter. I'm like, wait, you're running a mirror offense? I'll hit middle. I'm like, Cause for so long, I mean, I'm, I mean, we're undersized, but for so long, I'm like, I would, I'd love to just hit a middle set that, that, that doesn't have to like cross over to my midline where, right. you know, forcing you to reach over your head. But man, that was so much fun, but I've only seen that twice. Um, yeah. I have a question since we're in the subject of lefties, not to, um, I asked um, Sorensen this and I want to ask you cause you're both coaches, uh, club coaches. What is, what's your thoughts on running um, lefty middle? I, why do people run? You know, my thought is I'm not supposed to ever do anything. Um, yeah, I think everybody, of course, sticks to the standard. Mm-hmm. But I've come across if I've had a really good most of the lefties I've had were already setters. But if mm-hmm. I ever had a, a really good, I think it'd be great because it's so odd to block. I've had to block a guy that was left-handed middle, and that was, I don't think I ever touched the ball. <laughs> it's just, you get, it's, it's so quick, and so you, actually you're going blocking off of habits in the middle, especially at my size. Mm-hmm. So you just, it's a reaction, and all my reactions for all my years is to go block that right hand, and then bam, <laughs> he's bouncing it right by me, and I'm get all pissed off. And so, you know, it's, um, but that's it, about asking that question. It kind of leads to anything. As, like, I had a coach, she's actually coached for me this year, but she got her first head coaching job. I said, a lesson I learned a long time ago is don't be afraid to do something different mm-hmm. yeah. out of the norm and try it. Because I had a girl at Weimar. I was a head coach at Weimar High School, a little, little 2A high school, and set her dislocated her shoulder. And the team were playing. So this is 2A high school. Like the town has 1,200 people in it. So we get the team that we got to play is in our district, and two girls are going to Division One. One went to LSU, one went to Tech. <laughs> so that's at a that small of a school. And so I said the only and they had their coach had them and both had outside hitters, which that's what I'd have done. So I said, what we're going to do is I told my middle, my setter, when you're front row, you're going to drop off. Middle, you're going to go block right side. My left side, you're going to block middle and try to get out there if they back set. So we always had that double, and we ended up beating that team. And that coach called me like two days later and said, you a-hole. <laughs> what? She goes, I was me. just – we were so used to it. She goes, we could have literally just back set over the net the whole match and scored points. I said, yep. <laughs> I knew that. I took a chance, and it worked. And we went on to losing the regional championships, but that was the team we had to get through. And But I took it. You know what? It's out of the norm. People are like, what are you doing? This is hey, – we're going to have to take a shot at doing something different to get these big girls. I cannot have them one-on-one. They yeah. just don't kill us. And so we double blocked them mm-hmm. and they still got kills, but it was a sample of their coach. It just it all a, season. Yeah. They were so used to they didn't crack the code. They did. Yeah, they didn't, they all she crack had the code. to do was it was that simple. Just <laughs> back set the ball over the net. Cause we were, everything was shifted to take mm-hmm. on that girl. 
Yeah. And then, and they never set any, they never backset it. They never set it over backwards. They never did it. Not one set was to their right side. Yeah. They just kept feeding their girls that got them there. And like I said, but I told her, I said, that taught me right there. You know, sometimes, you know, if you think it, take a risk, take a chance. And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know, no, but. And I mean, sometimes you have to do some things out of the conventional in order to yeah. to achieve to, to achieve. <laughs> That's where growth right? comes from. Yeah. I mean, look at the NFL. I mean, how it was 20 years ago and 60. It's just somebody comes along and does something different and everybody makes fun of them. And within five or 10 years, that's the norm. Yep. And it's the same with all you watch old volleyball videos, some real old ones. You're like, oh, my goodness, that's yeah. just so basic. And then you see things and. You know, it, it, but those chance, those risk takers and the people that do that, like you said, the mere offense, that's what, that's how you evolve the sport. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I'll give an example. Last weekend in Vegas, I had seven kids on my roster. One of my kids got a, a bloody nose. Um, He got <laughs> six packed on a line shot and he had to get out and the referee Get, uh, explain the rules of something called exceptional substitution where my libero can change his jersey yeah and, and whatever so my libero i mean i i, I don't like sin, um, making short people synonymous with liberos but my gosh my guy's small he's undersized okay yeah. so when he was front row i just had him play a position one deep i had my setter play position one short uh, we had to change the men's our men's style of defense into kind of a women's um, rotation defense instead of base right. instead of base straight up base, and we blocked two blockers against three, and they couldn't they couldn't figure out a way to get past our double block. I mean, if you have you look across the net and you see two guys front row, you're like, we're gonna tear this team up. They're gonna we're gonna have one on one situations, and if we're in system and my setter has any kind of peripherals, there's definitely gonna be some players where there's one on none. And we managed the double block everything for the rest of the match. By the way, it was our closest match. It was it's the only close match we had this weekend. It was 27-20. We lost 27-25. But I think it was some of the best coaching work I've done because they didn't they didn't make the adjustment. They didn't crack the code. Yeah. And and the only I'm honestly the only thing that would even make the conversation halfway worthwhile is if we won that. We 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 didn't yeah. whatever, but but um But how close would it be? I mean that what you did made it what it was probably yeah. and would it have been 25 to 12 yep. if you had done that. Yeah, know? just and I'm just happy that it was one of the situations where they didn't have all these fucking questions. Excuse my language. But um where I just told him, all right, I need you short, I need you deep, and I need you to you guys to block tween or between you're between middle and outside, you're between middle and oppo, and you guys double up on anything out of system. And and I, and I told my servers, man, now's the time to hit or miss because we yeah. serve we serve lollipops. They're gonna figure this yeah. out right away. So so um, but some yeah, very very proud of some of the work I did this weekend. Well, we serve that you know <laughs> serving. I, I'm a very aggressive coach when it comes to serving. I, yeah, it's the single you know, most team, important thing you're going to do at every, at but every it makes at every up level. for our lack of size too yeah. you know we're not we're going to swing but we're not putting things straight down and right. i don't have a hitter that puts the fear of god at anybody but they all consistent right but we score a lot and keeping them out of system barred with aces but um you know, one of the best compliments now I take as the compliments I ever got as a coach is when somebody came up to me at their match said, your girls look like a bunch of boys teams are playing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yep. Because we, we run stacks. I teach them stacks. Huge. You know, back we run mm. X's, cross, you know, all kinds of little things if they could handle it. And again, yeah. you've got to have the kids with the talent to do the it. The clientele, but, yeah. 
Like, but, you know, I'm like, yeah, why? Because everybody is so used to seeing a quick or high out or high back all day long. Everything, everything's the same. And I'm like, yeah, man, well, I'm too small to do that. They'll shut us down. So, well, Penn, like you said, I've never had a big team. No, but if you remember Penn State, when they were four peat champions, they, uh, the women's team I'm talking about, they mm-hmm. ran like a men's style uh, base defense. They, I mean, for the people listening at home, like uh, I don't like, I don't mean to be sexist about men's style and women's style, but you'll see a lot of rotations, rota- uh, uh, a lot of def- defenses called one is called rotation, where the setter or the girl playing position one moves all the way up to the ten foot line just to play tips, and then the girl position six swings all the way to the line, and then they get all of their action from the pull, right. the pull four and five shifting over. But base defense is no. The two blockers getting the girl, the outside hitter, or the oppo's face. Base three, you're 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 probably like 10, 10 feet behind the ten foot line, off of off of base two to cover the middle, and and you just cover everything out and in. And a lot of women's teams don't do that because they don't have the athleticism to do it. And Penn yeah, State, Penn State we, wasn't I, the Penn State wasn't the tallest team, but they were the most athletic. Yeah. In fact, the tallest team I think was Stanford. Alex Kleiman, um, they played uh, Stanford, and Alex Kleiman was um the outside hitter on that team and she she's huge she was like a six five outside she was ridiculous so um and penn state beat you know beat them twice so four four p yeah. champs but guess sorry go ahead which knowing what you got talent wise is a big big first step what is my kids are mm-hmm. capable of doing that you know mm-hmm. that gold standard that that courses a you know usa volleyball does that's mm-hmm. a lot of great information but i see so many clubs now they apply it to the t and i'm like you do realize that a lot of that stuff is based on elite level athletes and mm-hmm. you got becky sue off the ranch over here she's probably gonna have to make some kind of adjustments and you know and that's that's one thing I, i'll listen to everything but again i i have to i have to because i've never had that team of all these six two six threes elites i've never had it in all these years i've yet to have that team and mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of so I've always had to. We got to adjust here, okay? When this girl's front row, we're playing this defense. When this right. girl's blocking, we're doing mm-hmm. this. And so, but again, that's what you're supposed to do as a coach, you know. Right. But it, knowing your talent level is a huge first admit because I see so many, even in the college, that this is my system, and okay, your system's not working with the, what you have. Mm-hmm. I remember watching a video that I think it was K State's women's coach. I love it. He goes. We never practice free balls. And I'm like, what? Because I'm like, he goes, because we never get them. <laughs> we're, we're too small. What's and the I point? Said, I don't goes, see yeah, the point. Goes, Man, <laughs> we're out of system or we're getting, I hammer at them and we dig and we that's what we work on. He goes, why am I going to spend a time on something I get one or two a match? No, so, on. you know, if he goes like UT and he did mention, he goes, these big schools, if they do get them, of course, yeah, they need to work on it because they're, the dude we never get <laughs> we're not, yes. i'm not gonna waste my time and i had to rethink because i used to do a lot of free ball free ball but at the high school level yes we got a lot mm-hmm. and i always told my girls and like at weimer you know i was like we're gonna be 85 to 90 percent success rate on free balls mm-hmm. no that's the standard that's what we're gonna make our money and it worked but you get in club and i at first i was kind of do that but i'm like then i have to take a step back we didn't get that many free balls no so we had to refocus and you know what what we worked on well i think i share a similarity where i think the only time that i've been in the season where i didn't have to do more with less was um 
the team that I built from the first in the first place that came back. <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, my my evolution team from 2019 had to do more with less. My libero, you know, was probably told by his coach he's too short to play outside hitter. Forget about it. And I'm and I'm not that guy. I'm like, I will I will come up to that kid and say, don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. I can and can't do. I will give you a reality talk. I'll be like, look, yes, I'm not gonna lie to you. You're, everybody, everyone walking around playing in the same position, you is taller than you. But if you want to be an outside hitter, you got to do this, you got to do that. Your box jump should be this, get with that trainer for that. And if you want it in a bad way, if this is what you want, don't let nobody tell, don't let nobody at the end of your road move move the goalpost or, or move the yeah. finish line. So doing more with less, my libero became an outside. Uh, and then the, they, I decided to move up. 16s or 17s and that was an all that was an all-star squad man and of just talented short and tall players and then COVID happened and then i was like okay fine yeah it's got to be it's got to be like that and the second team was hunter high school i was a five-year coach there but years one to four i um built it from the ground up i basically cut seven juniors and seniors to make room for a, a group of freshmen um decided not to do jv because they, they only I only had six people for jv so yeah. I said, no, I'm just going to do varsity and I'm going to stack up the roster and made so many. I'm a first year coach and they're like, who's this guy I think he is? And he's cutting this guy. Now that guy's been with the team, whatever. And I'm like, we tried out like a bum, you know, no. So, yeah. you know, so, but it paid off, so, you know, because it only yeah. paid off because as freshmen, we won our first round. We beat the higher seed. And then the seventh seed, Bronx Science, was a good program. We beat them 2-0. And now we're, when you win the first two rounds, the third, fourth, and fifth round, you're, you're in something called the big gym where all of, where everyone gets to watch all of the teams play one match at a right. time. So so everybody's like, how the hell did Hunter, Hunter High School get here? And, and those guys are all freshmen, you know. And then sophomore, same thing, big stage. Juniors, we expected to make the semifinals. Big stage, one and done. And then the senior year, they all got it. They all played with the right clubs too, which helps. And I'm like, which yes. wait, which club are you playing with? Who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna send my kid back after? So 38 and one record, right? We entered the nation's top 50. Madison Square Garden gave me coach of the year. So that was the one season that I didn't have to do more with less because of what I built. Right. And and interesting stat, they were the first championship team to produce no NCAA players because the school has a heightened a heightened emphasis on student before student athletes. So, right, yeah. Setter Setter went to Yale. They don't have a team, right? Oppo and Brown, Oppo and uh, Libero went to Brown. They don't have a team. Outside hitter Johns Hopkins. They don't have a team. So it was it was like that kind of school, you know? Right. So, yeah. So smart but, kids. <laughs> but the same, I guess the same thing with you. You you had to do you you have a reputation of doing more with less, but. You're gonna have those seasons where you, you you don't you don't get to say that because of what you built the previous two years. Yeah. I, you know, and look look at where we're at. Like I said, two years ago, one team. Last year, two teams. Mm -hmm. Two or three. This year, five. And three clubs in our area now have folded in the last month. They said they're done. And last year, I had 24 kids play sand. I got 96 girls out there right now. <laughs> so. We're about to blow up, but again, it's about I gotta find the right coaches. I won't. You see a lot of clubs; they get all these kids, and then they'll go, "Hey, will you coach this team? This mm -hmm. team, they, you know, they're chasing this." Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I want to make money, you know, but it's not about that. I, I will turn a team away if I don't have a good coach for them. There you I'm go. just not, you know, not, not going to do it because if, if we're going to build the rep and we're going to be the club, and like I said, JJ, my sister, we're on the same page with this. It's we want the best and the best. And we're going to play them, 
and you're going to be part of this and we're going to travel and we're going to play good players. But our main focus, I always tell them, it's not winning. Yes, we want to win, but it's about making you the best player possible and getting you recruited. And I don't promise you we'll play college, but we're going to do everything in our part. You have to do your part. And that's what we help these kids because out West Texas, they're getting no exposure. Yeah, and be careful. No college coaches are coming out to right. old oil field. <laughs> Freaking, and uh, they're just not coming out here. It's too far. There's nothing out here. And yeah. so we got to go to them. And that's what we do. And that's what we offer. And that's that's our goal. And what Good much strong. You know, I got five new coaches I got to interview. And three of them are JUCO or have been college coaches. And so, like I said, that's uh, what coaches with knowledge and resumes and you know, I got a girl from Baylor who played four years at Baylor. She's going to come on with this. So, again, it's, you know, there's a, a lady branched off from another club that just folded, and she's trying to bring a club in from from Dallas. I'm hey, more power to you. But, yeah. again, who you got to coach? You got to have coaches. And I hope they do get because it should be about the kids. And, you know, again, yeah. I'm going to limit our, our cap. I, I want two teams at each age group, and that's it. I see these clubs no, like it's five, more, six deep. I don't yeah, want to do that. No, no. That's more, not what I want to do. That's not so your I mission. Need other clubs. That's not your mission statement. No. No, you uh, look. You know, so, yeah. No, but so we um, need other clubs to be there for these kids. And that's but, what you need. That's but that's going to be your challenge as a program director as you enter as you interview these coaches. You have to make sure, James, that your mission statement, um, uh, if whether it's singular or whether it's multiple things that are uh, are con that are in conjunction with right. your mission statement, make sure that you have that down going in when uh, when you do the interviews. Because as you continue to win and as your programs continues to have success. Uh, the good coaches are going to come. Like Evolution, there was just me and there was this guy, Lewis Richard, who was actually a player. He played for Long Beach State, repeat champions. He's the only black guy on the team. Um, but Tom Chaffins was there. I mean, we practiced at Redondo, right? Tom Chaffins was there right. for years. Why, why wasn't he coaching this club? He wasn't, right? Kevin Norman, who's the boys team. Where was? I mean, I sound like I'm Ellen Adel and I see him all the time, but I'm not doing that. But I'm like, where were y'all the whole time? You know, but uh, what, but as Evolution built as a brand, then the good coaches came. And those, yeah. the guys I just mentioned are exactly the guys we were happy to have. But we have to make sure that they're in conjunction with Duncan Avery, what his mission statement is. We, right. We're the only club that promises a kid plays a full set. You know, one kid plays a full set, not a, not a full match, but a full set, which is something the other the others don't do. They're just happy to be on the practice squad because they, they know getting the practice in with, with the best players they think builds their brands. And I think that's a huge mistake in club volleyball. I think, I think individual attention is going to build better players 10 times more than group training sessions, which I call, right. I call them group training sessions, kids that, that join those teams that don't actually play, they just practice. Like um, you see them on the beach, you'll see like a whole bunch of the best players have these training sessions. And those are good to, to just feel out. But those, if you notice the best teams in the world, don't do that. Qatar, Qatar doesn't have a, tra a training group. Remember we were talking about Qatar, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the two beach guys, they don't have a training group. They, they don't, and they only scrimmage once or twice. They only train amongst themselves because yeah. indiv the individual attention and the fine-tuning takes right. precedence. And, and look at them. And right, uh, um, uh, um, what was it, Cancun? Three finals in yeah. a row, dude. Only losing to the two guys that don't even have a tan. <laughs> never, yeah. mind, never mind a training group. <laughs> yeah. you, know? Yeah, you know, we kind of have right now, and like I said, as we grow and as we get better, 
and get kids, you know, it, it, it'll change. Uh, one thing I am is about you got that's that military. You better have, be able to adjust, adapt and overcome. Yeah. And like right now, we're like we promised no one playing time. Nobody. Right. But mm-hmm. we do. I do my part to, you know, every, to, to play every kid. Like I had a girl. She did. And she, her parents, they were full support. But when we were up or we're down or if it's a pool play, we're good player. If I just get her in there, a couple rotations, player. Yep. But, you know, push come to shove, I, you know, I'm going to go in my main group. And that's what, because, of, you know, there were some clubs that promised, you know, everybody will get to play and all that. And I'm like, you know, for that club that works and what mm-hmm. you're after. And we kind of had to go the other direction for now. Mm-hmm. But again, if we get to where we want to go, then I think, you know, that's a good thing. Because again, I'm a big believer. You get but, uh, better right. by playing. 100%. Get on the court. Yep. Competition. Yep. That's how that's how I learned everything. Because again, mm. I, I played. I, Army guys taught me Samoans, and then then all Army coach. Uh, I can only remember his first name. His name was Orlando. He's Orlando. From Puerto Rico. Played middle. I can't Ohio remember State. his last name either. <laughs> yeah. Name was Orlando. Yes. First last name. Who knows which yeah. one it was? But that dude was insane. And we would do. I told people I went to all Army at 220 pounds. And I was in shape. I was PT three times a week, playing volleyball yeah. in El Paso. Three three-hour practices a day. You did sprints at the beginning, at the end of every practice. And, of course, I'm with the Samoans there, too. And so we'd eat breakfast, practice, eat lunch, practice, eat dinner, practice, and then go back to the room with the Samoans. And they break out the skillets and the spam and the rice, and yeah. we'd eat again. And then you got pizza in the morning. <laughs> in 33 days that I was there, I mm-hmm. came back at 195, dude, and I, I could uh, touch 11 feet. Yeah. I mean, that was and then two weeks later, I had my rib. I had surgery. I had a tumor on my rib. So yeah. that's dedication. A lot of people don't know this story. Mm-hmm. So I applied for all army and I got accepted to go. Well, first, my captain didn't want to let me go. Well, the major, our commander, the whole, our whole, at third, I was 30 or cab, you know, black Hawk crew chief in El Paso. Our number one guy was a third guy, third in the heavyweights in Olympic wrestling. This dude was a mountain. And he called me in his office, and I didn't know why. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to murder me. You know, you're, what's going on? Dude, you're in he trouble. Goes, you apply for that all-Army volleyball? Yes, sir. You got accepted? Yes, sir. You're going. Said, well, Captain, he said, I don't care what Captain said. You're going. Captains can be competition. Dicks, so, so I went. Well, so he gave me the date that I'm going to go to tryouts. Well, okay. I was doing the golf war physical, and so I got scheduled, and I had this bone that they put me in. Like a, They scan your whole body, and they pump this fluid through they found a tumor on my rib and that doctor gets and he starts writing this paperwork he gets on and he goes i go what are you doing he goes well i'm gonna see if we can't schedule you in for next tuesday for surgery i said no no, no sir i said i i'll leave monday for all army volleyball <laughs> he goes son you know you got a tumor like just all over your whole rib and if that's cancerous i said well 30 days ain't gonna make a difference i said i'm going he goes yeah. he calls in another doctor to try to convince me oh man like son this is serious I yeah. said, I, you told I, me I go said, deliver someone's baby for yeah six years mm-hmm. and i had to sign a waiver and i did i signed a waiver that if if it was cancerous or something that they were hands-free I said i'm going all army so i put off that when I got back, they had the surgery. We found out it wasn't cancerous, but I was like, that's oh, how into it I was. Oh, come on. <laughs> so they put you through all that shit, and, and, and yeah. you would have missed your opportunity for something that didn't exist? <laughs> I had the tumor. They removed my rib. It's gone. 
but it wasn't cancerous. But again, you know, my mom was freaking out. You better go have that. I said, I'm going, going to volleyball. That's how serious it was. Everybody likes. And then it's hard for me when I see girls. Like a girl. Oh, it's my friend's wedding. (laughs) Girl, I, 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 I could have had cancer tumors. I still (laughs) talk about dance. So, so it's hard. was the tryouts still at uh, Fort Benjamin Harris? Was it Indiana? Left there by Penn State in Pennsylvania. Okay. I, when I did, it was in Pennsylvania. Just right. then we uh, mm-hmm. at some old base in there. Okay. Where, when did you go? Was it Orlando the coach? Um, Orlando was the coach, but the tryouts at the I mean, it was twenty. It was like a twenty-one day tryout, like a camp tryout, yeah. and it was at Fort Benjamin Harris, where the what where, year we, did you where we call the the Chairborn Rangers. Yeah. Um, what year? Ninety-two. Okay. See, so ninety-two. And then I got yanked off my military team and there because we had this hush-hush mission with the Italian army in Italy. And I wound up, um, I was a generator mechanic supporting MI. And there was, yeah. there were, can you both, can you fucking believe it? There are no, there were no other generator mechanics. I mean, I made a team anyway. There were, I was the yeah. only generator mechanic. There was one guy who, who was an, uh, um, you know, an, uh, an, um, an NOCIC, so he couldn't go. One guy got, is getting kicked out of the army because of weed. This dude, this dude made a profile, has a profile because of his knees, both of his knees. Even though I just played him in basketball, the dude dunked on me, right? I tried yeah. to shoot a three. And when I tried to shoot a three, he's literally flying flies out of the air and knocks my tree and i'm like this is the dude within the probably got a the packet knees. that thick huh yeah profile oh my god you've never seen bro, them when you bro. go to the military hospital mm. if you got sick call and you'd see those people have two folders oh doing my so much my like, god oh. man dude but i was like okay fine i'm a soldier first i know what i gotta do so 92 kind of got delayed in 93 is my campaign year that was the year i got to play for a darmstadt uh all our um army european championship third user third um played for uh Got recruited to play for a German team. Uh, in so Darmstadt. did you leave Germany in '93? I left in um yeah just uh, we I, were just because I got there '90 towards yeah. it. I think I got there because mm-hmm. when did Somalia happen? Because I got was sent there. to Somalia. That was it. I left just before Somalia. I was I was between. Yeah, I got I was there between probably wars. four months, and I was playing in volleyball. And you know that's another you know story is we get to Somalia. And I convinced the guys we set up a volleyball net. There you go. So we get out there, and I had these pilots and stuff, and we play. And of course, a lot of them sucked, <laughs> but you know, I was. No, we're but the playing, Air Force guys well, are as good as you're going to get, right? Our um, base, uh, yeah. the way they had the base set up, we had Navy, Marines, there were some Air Force guys, of course, us Army, and then they had the um, these. Um, I think they were Nigerians, the Army okay. military. They circled the camp and they did the perimeter, right? Well, one of the big generals, the commanders, would jaw, you know, do his run there, and he saw our net, and he saw us playing, and. He had somebody come talk to me about putting on a tournament. So I put on a tournament and they had the, the uh, Nigerian guys, the Marines there, and we won. <laughs> we put it on. So I got a letter somewhere and it's from the commander of Somalia. It says James Spike Barker. I just, I, he just came and he made this letter Dude. and he signed it. It's well, from a, well, uh, well earned, well deserved. What was, your, what was cool. your MOS? I six, seven, ten. I was a Blackhawk crew chief. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I flew yeah, on Blackhawks. Good for you. Wow, dude. Yeah, I, was, I got uh, out of Somalia, you know, you know, the movie Black Hawk Down. So that was that was 30. Those were the 160th guys. And when we were there for four months mm-hmm. and then we get sent, they shut, they closed a lot of it down. They sent us back and they came in and then that's what happened. Several of my friends, uh, 
one of my good friends was he went to that unit after it happened and so you know that's just but that's what i did and uh, you know i did it was a desert storm for yeah. but i also crewed hueys i got flight time on hueys nice um, yeah so I, I, there was a ceasefire i was in ait when desert storm happened and there was a ceasefire two weeks before i graduated ait so yeah. i was supposed to stay in virginia but they recut everybody's orders to go to germany except two guys who went to korea my job 52 delta as boring as it gets <laughs> Gen generator mechanics supporting yep. um 165th mi uh, um and uh, supporting 30 second signal and 165th mi because like there they just weren't a lot of generator mechanics so right. so in fact they had i think they cross-trained a lot of the um you know the 63 tangos like the the humvee mechanics and you know right. cut, cut v mechanics to to do generators too so um but yeah, yeah one of my big I felt regrets, good being I loved <laughs> is uh they offer i got out in 95 a station in el paso and i'm gonna tell you back then el paso yeah, that's the most volleyball I ever played in my life. I was on five different league teams. Yeah, <laughs> every night. I mean, every night was a different league, and they took it seriously. I played against yeah. the guys. There was a guy named Tiki. He was ex national team. He would come across, and then this little mm -hmm. dude who made the national team. That guy was like five ten and could jump and put the net here, and he'd just look around and then kind of. I played against those guys, and um, but they offered me to reenlist. They they came with my my. Like, my weakness they came at me in my kryptonite and they said hawaii oh and i was because that hawaii was always my dream still there. i tell my kids all the time i said i can't go to hawaii until my youngest is out of high school and her wife because i won't come back right <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna have to wait but they offered me hawaii and i thought about it but the only problem was there's one black hawk unit in hawaii and it was at that time and you supported special ops and out of a year six months of that year you were never in hawaii you were off playing war games somewhere and yeah saying yeah mm -hmm. i've had enough of that so i got out but oh, to this day i'm like yeah. man i could have signed up for two years went there did my two and then i'd, I'd be was, in hawaii right was there. el paso is that fort sam houston uh no that's san antonio el paso is fort it's uh fort bliss Oh, Fort Bliss. Okay. Yeah. Cause Sam, Sam Houston's in yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. That's a party. Sure. That's a party base. That's, that's an AIT for like, um, dental assistance, med medical Where's techs. That? Oh, Fort Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Now, Fort now, Belvoir was too. Fort Belvoir. Um, uh, it's, well, it's where all the, the generals didn't, for the generals that didn't want to stay around the Pentagon, they lived at Fort Belvoir, which is 30 my, clips, my, 30 clips. I was that way. People would say the best, my first unit was Savannah, Georgia, Hunter Army Airfield. Gotcha. And dude, that's, I would have done 20 years there. I love Savannah, man. I love Savannah. Yeah. You know, people don't know this white boy used to get dance. I, I became really good friends. These twin, these tw twin brothers and black guys, and they take me out and they, I started learning how to, so that whole vanilla ice and the kid and play, I could do all that, all that. They took me to a club. It was downtown Savannah, you know, back then it was 150,000 people. It's 51% black. Yeah. They took me down there half, and yeah. took me in a club where they stopped the music and these people were like, there's a white boy in here. And they just pushed me, said, go to the dance floor. So we get in there, dude. But in <laughs> 10 minutes, I had them yelling at go white boy. Mm -hmm. And we got second place and each got 500 bucks. But while I was in there, they shot a white dude outside. <laughs> I was like, what the? <laughs> so, but that's the kind of, you know, like I said, the life you grow. But I, but I had a blast. Man, I had a blast in Savannah. Playing beach volleyball, that's for the first. Remember I told you I argued with the dudes. I didn't know what I was doing. What's double? You all are idiots. And now I'm like, God, I was an idiot. <laughs> isn't it like hilarious when um this is last year's NBA playoffs when Montre Montrez Harrell called um Rayonich a bitch ass white boy? Yeah. And like everybody's like, is this racist? Is this offensive? And I'm like, it's no. not it's not no, but listen, here here's my take. 
it is um, in the classic sense of the word. It's it, yeah. it is racially insensitive, but the people who who get, who cared the least were like white players. Like they were more <laughs> offended by, by being called a bitch ass than a white boy. Yeah, well, I <laughs> the fighting, word, like a the fighting words is calling me a B, not calling yeah. me a white boy. <laughs> hey, whenever, to me, when I guess because how it was, when they when my color came out, to me, I took it, I'm on them. They there don't is. like it. Because I, I, I ran a 400 army. And so we go up to the line. I'm the mm -hmm. only white dude. And I swear on my life, this black guy is going, what do you run? What you go? What you do? What you do? And he comes to me. He goes, you don't count. You're white. What yeah. you do? What you do? And I beat them all I, yeah. first. And at the end, he goes, man, and I was, hey, that color got you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's weird because, but, because listen, it is racist, but it's not um racist that's that comes from this inherently evil place hate, it just yeah. it just comes from a severely misunderstood stereotype right yeah you and can, I, like I, said, I take a lot of it though yeah. it's just it's street talk it's slang you know it like, is. Like, you know it, it is you know, well, like i said we we're not, throw, but we're not throwing down because someone calls me a white boy we we throwing yeah. down if someone calls me a b a b a, 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 a bitch ass. i'm telling you i have a picture of my right. uniform in germany the samoan guys put white boy on the back that was everybody else had their name. Yeah, I had white boy on the back of my jersey. Oh, and, and, and I, I, you know what? When that came out, I, I was telling myself, I'm like Montrez Harrell, you need to watch yourself because wherever you think this white dude grew, grew up, yeah. it's nowhere. It's no. Yeah. It's it is like it is unlike any hood you ever think you will experience. That dude is yeah. Eastern European, okay? So yeah. the way he had to grow up, I'm telling you, had to be. I mean, talking about oh, this guy thinks he's tough because he grew up here or there. Don't mess with them Eastern Europeans, dude. Hey, there's a. I cannot remember who he is. That there's a comedian. You know, he's a white guy comedian. Yeah. He's got the shaved head. He goes, you know, I'm no tough guy, but what I did perfect is the Russian accent. Mm. He's also guys that come up to me and he go and start talking. And dude, he goes, it scares the crap out. It's uh, his whole story. It's hilarious, but it may. He goes, but I'm serious. He's like, I would talk that way and people would not mess with me. Like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a whole different different world right there. So, and, and so when I lived in Harlem, I had a friend of mine that he he had something if like if he felt like people were looking at him like a few shades lighter, he did something called the EPA. Not not Environmental Protection Agency, the Emergency Puerto Rican Act. His his <laughs> Spanish. Dude, yeah. his Spanish is really, really good. So he just either had a friend or he got on the phone and just started talking Spanish. And yeah. everybody's no, like, oh, oh that okay. dude's that dude's Puerto Rican. We we're, we're gonna yeah. leave him alone because like where I grew up, I mean, there's a cultural boom that happened in the nineties on, but but from the eighties all the way up, if you were Puerto Rican, you were black. Like yeah. in my, you know, Bushwick, Brooklyn, Flatbush, or whatever. Uh, um, you know, um, again, they, I mean, black people don't have time to dissect their white people, but white people didn't either. If you were Puerto Rican, yeah. you're black. If you're if you're West my, Indian, you're black. So, uh, um, I get that. I get that. One of my best friends, and when I, I got out of high school, moved to Florida. Gave two two guys always hung out. One of them was he was from Chicago, mm -hmm. Latin Kings. His name was Hippolito. He's a big old heavy boy, and he we call him Hip, but mm -hmm. he's Puerto Rican, but his parents moved him because he's getting too much trouble. But, man, I'd never get going to his mom's. we go to his mom's, we'd be at his house, crash that night, and in the morning, she'd wake you up, and you'd get down, and that table is full. Like, there's going to be 30 people there. You know, the red beans and rice, just, and you better eat. You better eat at least two plates. You know, I ain't got to tell you. You know what I'm putting? And so you'd fill, we'd fill up, and like, oh, we go sit. 
And we'd hear about 15 minutes later, it's like, Hemp, what's she doing? Oh, she's making lunch. I'm like, what? And he goes, and you better eat. I'm like, oh, my God. So That's, we quit. But isn't that the hip- secret? Isn't that the secret? <laughs> yeah. Look, James, you're a man from Texas. I'm a man from, from uh, 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 I'm a New York, New York guy, but I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. And if you want to bring races together, Cook for them. Ooh. Cook for them. Yeah. Who the hell yeah. don't want to go to a Texas barbecue? Who don't yeah. want to go to a barbecue? Like, a, who, do, yeah. who doesn't well, want to go? Chris Austin who came, does, we barbecued for him. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, he's a Texas product to begin with, even yeah. though he moved early. But but um, in Brooklyn, like, who doesn't want to go to a West Indian barbecue and have some roti? Oh, I have yeah. some. I'll have some cocoa bread, right? Like, Latinos, right? Who doesn't want to go to a Latino? Have some. Who doesn't want to get some bacalao? Some some codfish, right? The Samoans, we could be here all oh. the, and the Guamanians, <laughs> dude, we big. could be here all day. There is, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this podcast, the most important thing you learn inside or outside of volleyball, the best thing that brings all races and ethnicities together is to invite them to dinner. <laughs> yes. Hey, the Samoans, man, we bury that pig, go uh-huh. play volleyball all day, come back, yeah. dig it up. And I always, yeah. just always tell people, man, them guys live for three things. Yep. Volleyball, cooking, and barbecuing, and fighting. And I said, not necessarily in that order. Well, basically, <laughs> that's just, all you need, but right? But they're the nicest. <laughs> that's all you need. They, <laughs> yeah. But they were the nicest guys. Like, mm-hmm. if you befriended, once mm-hmm. you were in with, the, like you're saying, the Samoan guys, you were in. No one. And I mean, I I lost it, and it, it hurts me, my soul to this day. But they, one day before I left Germany, there's about 10 of them. They called me over. Mm-hmm. And they go, we got something for you before you leave. And it's the Lama Lama, the thing they wrap around their waist. And they gave it to me and said, now you'll always be one of us, brother. And, dude, I cried. And it was a big thing. And I freaking That's lost that. Deal, and it man. breaks it's my like heart. Brother, and man. I lost touch with them all. Yeah. I cannot. I had a black book. It had all these guys. But it had girls' numbers. And so when I got married, that black book disappeared. I'm like, yeah, you could have just sharpened out all the girls' yeah. names. But I, I have lost, I, I think in the Army I'm in contact with three guys. That's well, Facebook, it. you'd be surprised. I mean, the guys are easier to find because the guys are still going to have the same last name. You know, yeah. like, like my, my sergeant in charge. We, you know, we had a very similar path. Like, I had a captain that's like that told me I wasn't playing volleyball. And I had a sergeant major who came up to my battalion commander, Paler and Taylor. Those are the, the two guys. And he said... They were drunk at this place called the Tropical across the street from our base in Darmstadt. And he said, sir, um, no, he didn't call him sir. He said John because they were, I guess, outside the base. He said, this is the best volleyball player I've ever seen in my life. And I just said, oh, fuck, don't say that. (laughs) Man, you're going to come to a game and if I suck, you know, he's. uh, Have you watched volleyball? (laughs) Hey, look, I was good. I was good. And and if I'm on on a professional team as a left side hitter, as a starter, you know, yeah. then that means they, they know a winner when they see one. Cause that's something I right. did. Look, the people that jump higher, the people that hit hard or whatever, but something, something, something I did better than anyone was always find a way to win. And, and, and yeah. I, I knew, I, we, I knew when I speak for both of us, it was only a matter of time before guys like us became coaches. There's yeah. this, this savagery, uh, that this, 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 this go getter, uh, whatever it takes. If we got to grind, we got to grind. If I'm if I'm 
15 points better, I'm going to beat you by 15. That 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 uh, I knew in my heart of hearts. And you see, it, it's a very similar path that made me a coach, I, that I knew I was going to yep. be a coach. And, and of course, the gift of gab, I'm a commentator. But, but um, yeah, very similar paths, man. Two, two vets, mm -hmm. man. Ass, yep. kick, ass kicker from Texas and just, and just an average kid from Brooklyn. <laughs> that's it, man. You know, just from two little different worlds. But that's the one thing I loved about, like you said, the sport, too. And I, other sports do the same, but had a lot of lots of good friends i met through volleyball and, and you know and it opens up your eyes he said bringing food together you know and I, I don't want to go down this path but you know that's playing with you know, a lot of gay guys and you know and you learn man great people and you learn you know what man to each their own i don't care what i'm a victim of stereotypes hey, and some i'll tell you a funny story about that at nationals about five years ago we went in it was in louisville and we were playing in the 40s Okay. And when there's a guy, he, he comes walking by us and he is pissed. He's kicking chairs. And it sadly looks like me, you know, shaved head, goatee, yeah. redneck. And he's just mad because they just got beat by the tranny team. Yeah. He just could not. And dude, we were all laughing at him. He was like, dude, they're still good. It don't matter. Just, but those guys, because they got on that court and he, you know, they're all being tough guys. And then, dude, the training guys—they put it on them. <laughs> but aren't but aren't we all victims of the stereotype? Like, yeah. I'm not speaking for trainees, but speaking for gay players, gay volleyball yeah. players. When you see a gay player, um, and you're looking for a libero, you fighting to get that dude on your team. Yep. Uh, now, I'm, uh, this this is an example of how we're all. I mean, we're not supposed to talk about it, but this is the option podcast, and we talk about whatever we want. But we let's be. Freaking real out there, people. When you see a gay player who's five foot eight, and you ask him what position he plays, and you're like libero. recruiting players, and he's and, and he says libero, you yo me and you we throwing hands for that dude. I mean yeah. I mean yo may the you best man win. If this is the only way we got to do it, James, yeah, all right? that's it. you know you've been more scraps wrestle. than me, but I yo I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to fight for this dude. But yeah. that's but that's I mean it's people have to remember sometimes these subject matters are fun to talk about because we're not um belittling someone because they're no. gay we're like like the, the whole the badass white boy thing for basketball yep. or, or a white guy dancing i mean that's every bit as racist and discriminatory as, as yep. anything else i mean uh, uh people don't want to call it racist because it's poking fun and it's affection and they don't mean anything but racism um in the classic sense of the word is the inherent belief that someone is superior or inferior based on their race okay so when someone says white man can't jump it's racist okay and, and some people are like oh that's the truth Maybe not, but whether it's true or not, you know, I mean, so people have to be careful of yeah. the, the, the labels. So we're, I speak for James and myself, we're not, I'm not defending myself. I'm just saying sometimes if you're comfortable in your own skin and your friends are comfortable in your own yeah. skin, it's fun to poke fun at race. It's, you know, it, it's been, fun been, as long as it's not hurtful. I mean, you got, it's really San about Antonio. your demographic. Huh? You know, San Antonio is where I lived in for years, and that's where I played most of mm -hmm. my adult volleyball. And they, uh, lot, like I said, played with and against them. And, you know, we've been out at times, and dude, somebody be, I, I get right for you. You ain't going to mess with this guy. Yeah. You better back off. Nah, you know, just... I stick up for my friends. As my friend, I don't care what color, yeah. race, you're, and that's why I try to teach Once my kids. Once you consider right? them a person, yeah. it changes, it changes everything. everything. Needs to do. But, you know, my son, I got an 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. I got a 24-year-old, and I got an 11-year-old. My 11-year-old has autism. So we put him in two years ago here in Lubbock. It's hard to get child, you know, school care during the summer. It fills up with that. 
So we found this place and it's on MLK Boulevard. So I can tell you, he was the only white kid in this place, but he loved it. But he did get his second day. He calls my phone. He calls my mom, his Nana and his mom freaking out because he loves to dance. And he was dancing and the little black girl tells him, oh, nigga, you can't dance. And because (laughs) he called him the N word, he didn't know what to do. He's calling and telling everybody on, she called me. (laughs) He come home and I go, son. I said, Dad, you're okay. It's okay. I said, you just don't ever say that to them. Yeah, <laughs> said, no, and you'll be okay. I mean, yeah, but, come know. on. Speaking for my black brothers, last time I checked, that was the only advantage they had. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? <laughs> they, I mean, finally, are you kidding? They're like, after all these years of oppression, they finally found a word to use the term affectionately. <laughs> yep. The last thing they need is a room full of white guys to get together. I'll be like, all right, this is how, this is what we're going to do about that word and what black yeah, people can do. No, yeah, come exactly. on, man. Right? So, I know my son, but he loved them, but you know, it's. <laughs> It's, it's just, he did, I guess that autism, he couldn't, he didn't know what to do about that. We all need to have <laughs> autism, man. Dude, it and then I, I speak for your son. We, and in that case, we all need to have, have autism because the, the straight and simple approach, when you make someone a human being, when that person has a name, uh, uh, and for the people, um, I guess I'm defending the people who say they don't recognize race. I mean, at the, reality, uh, at the end of the day, you, physically you can see that you you recognize whatever. But but defending the people that say they don't recognize race, those are the people that once someone has a name, and once someone has a face, and once there's an emotional investment. I understand when when people say I don't see black when I look at that person, yeah. I don't see white, or I don't see Latino or Chinese when I look at that person, and and um, that applies us on the social level because we're not getting into that. We we can get into that on another podcast uh, where me and you can be can be real about more real about the social the social dilemma that's that's been right. taking place the last years. Uh, but you get what I'm saying when I say once you're in a neighborhood you're in that and circle. that person has a name and a face, he could yeah. be homeless. But he's that guy with the beard that you see all the time. Oh, that's that's Tyson. That's Bob. That's Tyson. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, um, that dude, you know, drunk every night, banging on his wife's door. Oh my God, call the cops. That's, that's this this dude again. But but you're not thinking of these people as less of a person because they're not. You don't see them, and you and you don't see just person without right. a name. Yeah, that's all. I mean, yeah, that's, that's me. If you make my friend. If you become my friend, that's like, mm-hmm. and it, how, again, part of how I grew up, mm-hmm. was raised, and also that military thing. Mm-hmm. Loyalty is my number one thing. Yeah. If you're with me, then you're with me, and I got your back to the end. And do I don't we, care and do, what and, the odds. And is there a more diverse group? than yeah. you and me on this podcast right now. Right. You and me put together, as far as like black, white, Latino, gay, straight, trans, uh, uh, is there a more diverse, uh, is, there, right. is there two people with a, with a bigger demo, uh, bigger demographic than us? Yeah. <laughs> we and, probably but you know, know But them. the thing is, you put it aside. You know? yeah. Everybody now acts like you gotta agree on everything. If, if we agreed on everything, it'd be boring. It's just Like I can't tiresome. stand that hat you're wearing, but you know, yeah. Oh, you mean the most <laughs> celebrated sport, the most celebrated team in all of sports, the most celebrated hey, franchise in all of sports. <laughs> if, if it makes you feel better, my wife loves them. I can't stand yeah. them. Uh, I can uh, only say this about the Yankees. If they don't win a World Series the next 20 years, they're still the most celebrated uh, franchise. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah people shave. You know, Yankees still don't, don't allow beards on their team. People yeah, are willing don't. to freaking shave. Hey, it shows how much. Look, the, Yank, the Yankees are like Bill Clinton. Once you love them, once you have your mind made up, 
Yeah. Once you see that light behind him, you just follow the light. I made a joke about Bill Clinton. I said, we love Bill Clinton so much that when that thing happened with Monica Lewinsky, we blamed Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, that's the thing. You just got to get got to get those people to love you. It's like but Michael yeah, Jackson, does. right? Or with the and kids. then the evil remember, empire. Remember the know? kids? No, remember the kids with Michael Jackson when he got yeah. he, um Chris Rock said, he says, that shows how much we love Michael Jackson. We love Michael so much. We let the first kid slide. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, JB. Was- I got a, actually, I got another podcast tonight, so I'd like to, yeah. uh, let's... yeah, I got about to hit the road. I got practice tonight. I, you know, I don't know if you know, I, well, I've told you, Please. you know, I drive an hour and 50 minutes one way to get to practice. And then, yeah. and then I get parents or kids like, Oh, I got to drive yeah. 15 minutes. Yep. Man, come on now. <laughs> it's that, well, that was the last subject I wanted to talk about talking to kids. What a, is, I don't think there is a specific, uh, age that you talk to the kid and, and you give them the coming to Jesus moment. Like, look, how bad do you want it? I, we remember I was just talking about the positions, the libero that want to be right. whatever. You have to ask yourself how bad you want it and, and the level of our hours of dedication that you want to put into it. Because we were just talking about this kid doesn't, I don't know, this one had prom, this one had an ingrown toenail, you know, yep. this, this one has feelings. Um, and I don't think and I'd love to give you the floor on this. And I, but I want to finish what I'm saying by saying this. I don't I don't know the specific age as a club coach that I have that talk. I know 16 at, at 16, 16 and up. I can only have said 16 and up. They have to know by 16, you know, yeah. which is why I'm a 16s coach. I think that's where my strengths play to the needs of a lot of these programs. Um, but for um, the floor is yours. Is, is there, is there an age uh, or, I mean, or, or does it come from when she says, I want to do this? Well, I, I think you could do it in levels, you know, even at the 12s, they're not sure yet, but you start instilling that, you know, you're going to miss some things. Okay. Becky's birthday party versus practice, you know, you know, I get it. You're young. You want to have fun, but you know, if you know, it's just, there's a line, but that word right there, just said fun. If you can have that come to Jesus, whatever age group it is, and you put the work on them, but somehow you still keep it fun and interesting. They'll, they'll buy in too many coaches. They, uh, equate work hard with miserable <laughs> you don't you yeah. know and treat them like crap beat them down we're not you know it, there's time for it and places to do some things like that but for the most part man you, I, I push them but i i'd say if there's that one age group it's 15 16s right in there because that's when they start you know some of them are in varsity but they're hey i want to be varsity or i'm really looking at college and okay like i tell my girls all the time quit coming up and tell me you want to go to college and then you two days later you got an excuse why you're not at practice hmm. that's fine you don't have to want to play college but don't tell me how bad you want it when your actions show me something yeah, different exactly very very it's simple right there you can even tell 12 year old that man don't that come is... tell me how bad you want to do something you know when hmm. it's just like i really want a bag of candy. Well, but I gotta, I gotta put on a costume and walk 400 houses to get it. Right. <laughs> so you gotta do some work somewhere. It's true. <laughs> so, and that's a, listen, that's a perfect way to close out this episode. Um, is there a particular site, or uh, uh, a little plug you want people to know more about Texas 432 and, and what you're you up know, to? 
We're just up and coming. We have our website, Texas432Volleyball.com. But, you know, like I said, we're so new and still building. But look out. We're coming. Yeah. Like I said, every team of mine, all of our teams um, at every tournament but two made the gold bracket every tournament this year, all five. Yeah. So, you know, Lone Star and Orlando. So we're coming. We're still new. We're small. But. I, you know, the old stupid stains, dynamite comes small packages, right? Yes, so it does. We're, we're Kaboom. Coming, but as I said, my goal, you know, I shared a video. Just keep it out. Look out. If you're on Facebook, friend me. Like I said, I, we share. I got kids that really do want to play college, and they're out looking. And, you know, we're on sports recruits, but, you know, we also post on Facebook and whatever. You know, I just shared a video of my setter who had to carry us as outside hitter. And go check that video. You get on there and watch her set all year and then she would and last turn girl broke her foot three days before our regional championship she goes i'll hit outside and watch her she yeah. carried us you know we only lost one game that tournament but it, a match but as the match that knocked us out of the bid right but, you know we went seven and one but that girl put that it on one, pa- yeah. watch her oh. passing it's unreal Jeez, at least it and happened your second day if that happened to your first day you're like bronze the whole way with no crossover man that's yeah that sucks too you, you know, know? Yeah. So, well, that's perfect yeah. way to. Sorry, guy, James. No, that's it. That's it, man. I I enjoyed it, man. Mm-hmm. Hope it wasn't too boring. No, of course. <laughs> Listen, I'm I not... always I always have introduction songs for everybody. Got to give the people what they want. So, yeah. um, I'm gonna finish the outro like this. I'm a country plow boy, not a urban <laughs> cowboy, and I don't yeah. ride bulls, but I have fought some men. Drive a pickup truck, trust in God and luck, and I live to love Texas women. Men. <laughs> yeah, and all my exes live in Texas. Well, oh. that's not true anymore. Thanks to the army. <laughs> Man, got the law looking for you. This one trying to shoot you. Uh Oh, man. No, we're not having it. That's a different podcast. (laughs) Hey, everybody, listen up. This is James Barker. This is episode 90 of the Option Podcast. We love you to pieces. I'm going to run my outro and stay with me after this. But for now, we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.